Turn in your Bible to, to really two passages, the, the Gospel of Luke. We'll look at it a, a couple of times today, but also right back to Isaiah 42 and 43 as we continue discussing preparing for future things. You see, just because uh, it's already January 2020 doesn't mean you can't continue to prep. Prepare. In fact, that's what this month in my heart for you, it's a preparation month to help us be ready. It's kind of hard to prepare in the middle of the holidays, is it not? It really is. The holidays and family and friends, you're just enjoying life, you're enjoying one another. So it's kind of hard to focus on maybe, you know, what do I need to accomplish? Certainly personally, maybe even physically, where it's kind of hard in the holidays to say, you know what, I'm going to lose weight, hallelujah. It's pretty hard to do those things. Uh, so in January, we're preparing our hearts and lives and our families uh, for the new thing that he has for us. I pray that you're not just kind of looking at life going, well, what, you know, que sera, sera, what comes, you know, whatever. I pray that you're proactively engaging the Word of God and the will of God in your life for God's favor and blessing and direction in your life for new things. Somebody say new things to spring forth in your life in 2020 and really throughout the, it's really a new decade. Uh, and so it's important. And of course, it's, it's hard not to use 2020 uh, from the standpoint of vision, gaining 2020 vision in 2020. I believe this year is a year where God's going to give us capacity to see what God wants us to see more clearly, to gain clarity. And Isaiah 42 and 43, and really all of Isaiah is such a great prophetic insight about the future, even about our day, but certainly about the coming of Christ. And that's what Isaiah 42 and 43 and other passages in Isaiah are all about. Aren't you glad that God looked down and brought Jesus to planet earth? Amen. And that's what it's all about. And so that's where we've been. We ended the year uh, between Christmas and the New Year's. We ended the year beginning this series. And so last Sunday we were here as well. And we'll be here at least through January. So you just keep digesting Isaiah 42 and 43 and really other passages and just say, God, what are you saying to me? Because here's what we learn about the new thing that God has for us. If you look at Isaiah 42, as I read in verse 9, behold, the former things have come to pass. In other words, 2019 has completed for us today. And new things I declare. God wants to declare some new things. Everybody look around and tell somebody that new things, new things. New things. That's what he's declaring. He said, and before they spring forth, before all of a sudden they just, oh my goodness, I'm going to tell you of them. And so God wants to speak to us. He wants to, and maybe through uh, these messages, God can speak to you about the new thing that he has, not just for you, but for you, for other people. You see, God in 2020 doesn't just want to move to you. He wants to move through you. Could I get a better amen? And so, so we've got to posture ourselves and position ourselves for what God has for us. And if you go to Isaiah 43, he hits it again. And he says this in verse 18 and 19, do not remember the former things. Now in the last chapter, he said, Hey, 2019 is already done. The, the former things have already come to pass. In other words, 
The past is the past. Tell somebody, the past is the past. You can't look back. You can't, you can't change the past. If we could, we would. Uh, but you know what? If you try to change your past, if you've watched back to the future and all that stuff, you'll know whatever you try to change will mess up everything. Are you with me? You don't want to mess up what God has. You can't fix the past. All right. So with that in mind, he says, don't remember the former things. Don't even, and then he, then he says, don't consider the things of old. In other words, don't sit around meditating and thinking about yesterday. You may have to learn some things. You may have to apply some things. Yes, but don't sit around going about the past. Are you with me? Say another amen. And then verse 19, of course, behold, I will do a what? Somebody say a new thing. He said, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. There's that spring forth again all of a sudden. Before you know it, there's a little bush at, at my lake house that I didn't even plant. Some renters and times gone by planted it. Uh, someone gave me the name of it. I forgot it. You know, those bush names like Hibiscus conreliatus or something. Well, I don't know what it was. Uh, you know, I just call them a rose bush, uh, you know, this kind of bush. I don't know what it is. But the interesting thing about this bush down by my little gazebo which is an old little, it's not official gazebo. It, it was supposed to be a gazebo, uh, but it now it's just a little deck. And my son, Nathan, when he was a kid, called it the Gaboise. Uh, and down by the Gaboise, uh, there's these two bushes. And what happens with these two bushes during the winter, they bloom before they ever bud. It's an amazing thing. You just walk down there, everything's dead, everything, nothing has leaves, and all of a sudden there's a bloom on a bush with no bud. Uh, and so it, it just sprang forth. Everybody say sprang forth. I think that's what God wants to do for us. And to, uh, unexpected things, things that we just out, seem almost out of the uh, the norm and things uh, that, that are abnormal and kind of supernatural all of a sudden go, oh my, OMG, look what just sprang forth. Are you with me? Say amen. That's what we we're talking about. And God in 2020, not only this year, but in, the, in our days to come, he wants those new things to spring forth. Now, here's the big question. Everybody say the big question. Because he gives the big question here in, the, in verse 19. He says, behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Everyone say, shall you not know it? In other words, I want to do something new and dynamic, but are you going to get it? Are you going to see it? As one other translation says, uh, shall you not perceive it? Everybody say perception. You know, that, that just kind of fine-tunes. That word just kind of fine-tunes it a little bit. You know, how many of you see some things, but you don't always perceive some things? You see someone uh, doing something, but you don't perceive, uh, for example, why they do what they do. So perception kind of fine-tunes it and gets the focus a little strong. And he says, if you're not careful, what he's saying, you're, go you're not going to perceive what I'm doing. It may spring forth, but because you are so distracted and, and so uh, uh, just uh, uh, tempted, <coughs> pardon me, tempted into other directions, You'll miss it. How many of you don't want to miss the new thing God has for you? Look at your neighbor and say, we can't miss it. Tell somebody, you can't miss, we can't miss this. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9 for just a moment. And you can put a marker there uh, or, or in Luke because we're going to come back to it in another, uh, at the end of this message to kind of 
put a cap on it. But I want you to see Luke chapter 9, uh, verse, oh, let's see, verse 62. Luke 9, verse 62. Now, the context is discipleship and following Christ and not allowing other things to keep us from moving forward into God's purpose and plan for our life. The, it, it, it works perfectly for this passage in Isaiah that says, shall you not know it? In other words, uh, and then the context especially of the, the past is the past. Remember not the former things. Don't consider the things of old. I'm going to do a new thing. Uh, and so here's Jesus. He's talking about us as disciples. And he says basically this. He says this in verse 62. And Jesus said to them, no one. Everyone say no one. That means, how many of you know what that means? No one. Nobody. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. And then let, and if your friend didn't tell you that, that means you too. It means all of us. It means me. No one having put his hand to the plow, and here's the kicker, and then looking back. Somebody say looking back. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, he's just talking about discipleship and following Christ and fulfilling God's purpose and plan for for our lives. And he said, let me tell you something, uh, disciples. If you put your hand to the plow, if you get plowing and you start looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. What's he saying? It takes people to fulfill God's purpose and to fulfill the, 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 the ministry of the kingdom of God, people who are focused on their future and they're not distracted by other things and tempted by other th- things. And, and you know what? If you look back while you're plowing, uh, whether you're in a John Deere or a horse-drawn plow, guess what? If you're always looking back, when you be- you'll begin to look back and realize, ooh, that row wasn't very straight. And how many of you know God doesn't want to use crooked things to accomplish his purposes? And so it's so important. So I want you to remember that. Uh, In fact, let's just say this. It's time to plow. It's time to plow. It's time to move forward. It's time to produce the harvest of God. It's time to break up the fallow ground. It's time to be productive for the kingdom of God. Isaiah, pardon me, uh, the, this new year, 2020, uh, it's a time for us to look and begin to say, you know what, before long, spring is coming. It's time to plow. We better get to plow and look at your na- other neighbor. Look behind. If you got somebody behind you, just look back and say, All right, we better get to plowing around here. You can't sow a seed unless you've plowed. So what is, what is Jesus saying here? And what is Isaiah saying here about Jesus and about the hour we live in in order to be, to be productive? You know what? We got we to gotta stay focused on the future. Now, here's the problem. Isaiah realized there's so many things that demand our attention. They require attention. And many times there are other things that cloud our capacity to see clearly. Am I the only one that knows that? Other things come along and they try to cloud. We lose focus of the new thing because we're dealing with other things and and our capacity because we're not focused on the new thing that God has. And whether we're looking back left or right, our capacity to perceive properly is polluted. And we miss it. Shall you not know it? Shall you not perceive it? 
Because sometimes these things that are so clear to God are so unclear to us because we've got clouded vision. Jesus one day was healing the guy and he, he, he prayed for, I think it's when he put spit in his eye, I don't remember. But the guy came up and said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, it's just kind of in my interpretation. And Jesus prayed again and he said, I see all things clearly. And so that's what we're looking for from a spiritual standpoint. We lose focus uh, on the new thing. And so what I want us to do is begin to realize, and I want to prepare you by just kind of opening up your understanding that sometimes there are other things that get in the way of God's thing, that demand and command our focus and keep us from perceiving God's will and direction for our lives. Let me just pause and say, I feel this morning's message has the capacity to not just readjust your destiny, but radically transform your future for His glory. If you will... If you will open your ears to hear and open your eyes to see what God is saying uh, and, and realize, man, I can't start off putting my hands to the plow and then looking here and looking there. I got to have some clarity of vision and focus for the future. So we lose focus for the new thing sometimes when we are tempted by the enemy and tempted by this world to focus upon other things. Let me show you some. I'm going to give you five today. The first one is, it's very clear in these two passages in Isaiah, sometimes we are tempted to focus on the same thing. The same thing. We just want it just the way it is. We get it all just the way we want it. And then God comes along and says, no, but I've got something new for you. Let me explain. The same thing is just like the old thing. You know, if all you want is the old thing, what you're saying is, I just want it to be just like it was yesterday. I just want the same thing. I got it all figured out. I don't want you to rock the boat. I don't want new things. I just got it just the way I want it. I'm all up in the middle of my comfort zone. How many of y'all, come on, let's be honest. How many of you got a comfort zone? And how many of you, you get it just the way you like it? You don't want anybody rocking the boat. This is not my comfort zone. You know, Beverly, she's been, we both had a, she was feeling a little bad on her birthday on Wednesday. Her birthday was Wednesday. But Tuesday night, uh, all the grands came over and everybody came over to celebrate her birthday. And if you've been in my house, there's no carpet in the house. It's like, unorganized mayhem and my kids just let their kids run wow and the grandpa sometimes does too and and it, and if you're not careful it's way outside of your comfort zone now we just thank the lord nathan was not there cuz that's not in his comfort zone You know what I'm talking about. We all have our comfort zone. But let me tell you something. When you think about your future, you say, this is the way I want it to be. And sometimes sometimes we spend all our nickels and numbers on getting it just (coughs) the way we want it to be. But listen to this. The comfort zone of sameness is actually the landing zone of lameness. Sameness is lameness. Tell somebody that. Sameness, that's why God said, hey, 
hey, the past is the past. Uh, there's something new. Uh, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Now, look at Isaiah 42, 16. Let me expand this thought about you can't just focus on the same thing. You can't get into your comfort zone and never get out of your comfort zone. Look what the prophetic insight about what God wants to do. And let me just say, did you know when God was writing this to the children of Israel, they were in the middle of Babylonian captivity. Everything wasn't grand for them. Are you with me? And look what the prophetic word is for them in Isaiah 42, verse 16. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. Everybody say new thing. Pause. You know what? I I, I don't think there's any blind people here, but I've seen uh, movies and things. What is it? Helen Keller, she was blind and or what? You know, they get their world together and everything has to stay the, I'm going to say that again, got about three of you got it. You can say, okay, the blind in their house, in their world, they get everything the way they need it to be and then everything has to stay the same. Okay, so there you go. But look what God says about us. It says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. How many of you know that got them right out of their comfort zone? But catch, catch this, I will lead them in, in paths that they have not known. And now catch this, I will make darkness light before them and crooked paths straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. Uh, and so catch this, <coughs> what's God saying? He wants to bring us out of our comfort zone, out of sameness, into the new thing that he has for us. <coughs> We maybe feel like the, like the blind. Oh, don't rock the boat here. I got my comfort zone. I know how many steps. I can do this in the dark. I tell you, I know I, when I get up in the night just to go to the restroom, I know it can be pitch black. I can do it without my glasses. I can do it without a nightlight. I can do it without. I know exactly where to go and how to turn. And very rarely have I stumbled in the night. Uh, because I got it all the same. Now, if you mess that up for me, I'd be in trouble. And so, but God wants to take us out of our comfort zone. And if we want the new thing to begin to be made manifest, if we want to perceive it, we can't continually focus on the same thing. Are you with me? Everybody say new thing. Number two. A, a, a common cause for a lack of focus for your future. Things that cause uh, us to begin to look back, look left, and plow crooked is not only focusing on the same thing, but if we focus, number two, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll focus on the selfish thing. Because how many of you know, how many of you know we're naturally born, okay, I'm going to try that again, I, this is group participation, how, we're talking about the selfish thing. How many of you know we're naturally born selfish? Look at your neighbor and say, you selfish thing, you you ever watch kids play? They might not even want to play with a toy. But if their brother or sister or friend or cousin picks it up, what do they all of a sudden want to do? They want it. Uh, and so it's a selfish thing. And that's the way it is about us. Now, catch this about Isaiah 42. I love when he begins to prophesy about the coming of the Christ and what he's going to do. How many of you know the coming of Jesus was not about Jesus? It was about God's plan and purpose for for Jesus. And it, look what the prophetic declaration is in verse 1. Behold, 
my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. In other words, Jesus didn't come for his own benefit. He didn't come to, uh, you know, ride into town and go, just give it up, give it up. It's all about me. He came for you and me. He came to fulfill the father's purpose and the directive and the prophetic directive over his life. He came as a servant. In fact, what does it say about Jesus? Jesus came uh, to serve and not be served and to give his life a ransom for many. How many of you know as disciples, we have to follow in his footsteps? If he came as a servant, what do we do? We come as a servant. And if you want to get all confused, if you want to get your spiritual vision clouded about your future, you start thinking it's all about you. You start looking at 2020 and thinking, how can I make this all about me? How can I accomplish uh, uh, and get things just the way I want them? And, And how can I fulfill what I want in this life? It's all about me. It's not all about you. It has nothing to do with you. Now, God wants to use you. He wants to bless you. He loves you. He says that in Isaiah 43. You have been honored and I've loved you. But why had did did he love us and honor us? So we can be his hands extended to that world that that is coming from the north, south, east, and west. And so if you want to get all fouled up about the new thing, you just keep looking at the selfish thing. What do I want? What's going to make me feel better? How can I get... How many of you have ever found... I once was young, now I am older. Not old, I'm older. How many of you are just older? Okay, we're all older, uh, but I'm not old yet. Somebody say, I look old. I look at myself in the mirror. I go, oh, my gosh, what happened to you, young man? Something got you and messed you all up. I, I look old. I don't feel old. Well, that's not true. I got things that creak and crack that I know not of, but I, I don't feel old. And so, uh, so from my standpoint, I, I've got to look and realize, hey, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my life. It's not about just getting everything the way I want them. In fact, when Jesus came to planet earth as the servant, he began to teach that principle. In fact, Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, <coughs> pardon me, Matthew 6, he says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy but lay up for yourself what? Treasures in heaven. So what's he saying to us as disciples? He's saying in this life that you live, in the plan that I have for you, uh, you can't live it for yourself. You can't live under the selfish thing. you got to live under the servant thing and begin to realize he came as a servant. I'm a servant. I don't lay up for myself. Tre- it's not all about me. Somebody say amen. So if you want to cloud your future, If you want to undermine the new thing and you want to come to a place where God's plan is polluted in your life, you focus on the same thing. You focus on the old thing. You focus on the selfish thing. And number three, you stay focused on the sinful thing. Oh, pastor, don't talk about the sinful thing. All of us have issues. Look at your neighbor and say, you may not know it or not, but you got issues. We all have issues. 
We all have weaknesses in our life. That was the case. Why were the children of Israel in Babylonian captivity in the first place? Because they were doing great in every area of their life? No, because of issues of sin in their life. And if you look at Isaiah 43, he just kind of talks about it. Verse 24 and 25, uh, verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You see, catch, did you catch that? He blots out our transgressions for his sake because you have something to accomplish for him. Are you with me? I have blocked out your transgressions for my sake and I will not remember your sins. So he, he, he addresses this reality about the children of Israel who in Babylonian captivity, he said, listen, we got to deal with the sin problem. Everybody say the sin problem. There's a sin problem in the earth. That's why Jesus came. He was wounded for our transgressions. Isaiah 54, I think, or 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And so he came to deal with the sin problem. And we thank God for that. How many of you are born again? Say amen. Let me just say, all you born again, all us born again people, I'm going to say amen too. All us born again people, we have to continually deal. Though we've been washed white as snow, though we've been redeemed and we belong to God, we're on our way. If you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, say amen, hallelujah. Hey, even though that be the case, we all still have to realize if we're not careful, we'll walk right back into the sin thing. We have to guard our hearts. In fact, catch this. The original sin in Genesis 3 had to do with vision. It really did. What did, what did, you know, the devil came along and he tempted, and he, and, and, and he tempted, look at here, uh, and, and, and Eve said, well, you know, we're not, supposed to, uh, we're not supposed to do that. He said, well, you need to understand you, something you don't know. If you partake, God knows that if you take this, you're going to be just like God. And, and you know what the scripture says when Eve saw that it was good, when she looked at it, when she got her eyes off God's thing and put it on the sinful thing, sin entered into her life and into the life of all humanity. And so we need to understand that sin will get us clouded about God's thing in our life. So we've got to focus on that. In fact, Luke chapter 11, also in Matthew, I think, I can't remember what chapter. Luke 11, verse 33 and 36 says basically this, the lamp of the body, the light of the body is the what? You got to watch. The lamp of the body is a, and it says if your eye is clear, your whole body's clear. But if your eye is bad, your whole body's bad. He's talking about temptation. He's talking about the focus of our life. If we're focused always on the sin thing, if we just can't get our eyes off the sin thing, uh, we'll never see the, the new thing and we'll not perceive God's purpose and our, our God's plan for our life will be polluted because we're, we're, we're focusing on the same thing, the selfish thing, the sinful thing and our eyes get polluted and it messes up our whole life. How many of you have ever tried to keep it separate? <laughs> I know some of you are getting nervous here. How many of you ever tried, this is my little sin world. Over here is my holy world. 
Nobody's going to know about my sin world, and it's just my little thing, our little thing here. I mean, you know, you know, but it ain't going to mess up this. How many of you know, you can't, you can't keep it separate. It's just going to pollute the whole thing, and your whole body's full of darkness before long. So, hey, listen, if you want, if you, if you want to keep plowing and not look back and look around, and, and, and you want to stay fit for the kingdom of God, you can't focus on the same thing. You can't focus on the selfish thing. You certainly can't focus. We can't focus on the sinful thing. And number four, we can't focus on the sorrowful thing. Oh, my goodness. How many of you have ever, at least once in your life, had a devastated, broken heart? And you are sorrowful to the core. I got my hand up. Anybody here ever came from the womb singing praises unto God? You know, most of you, when you came out of the womb, what were you doing? What in the world? We've all had broken, we've all dealt with pains from our past, losses, problems, troubles, traumas in life, heartaches. Now catch this. Where were the children of Israel? They were in they were in jail, for goodness sake. They were in Babylonian captivity. Now, catch this about where they were and the sorrowful place of their life. Look in Isaiah 43. Look what he says right there in verse 1. He says, but now, I love that. He, hey, it, all the things that I said, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Everybody say, I belong to God. He said, I redeemed you. Now, follow through with me. I love just keeping going in Isaiah. Follow through about the redeemed. Go to Isaiah 51 for a moment. We're going to take a little journey. Go to Isaiah 51. If The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. If you go to Isaiah, what did I say? Isaiah 51, 10 and 11. Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? Everybody that's redeemed say, I've been redeemed. In other words, man, God showed up for the sake of the redeemed. And come to, it says, so the ransomed or the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with what? With singing. Now catch this. With everlasting what? Joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I want to stand up and start preaching right there. What's What's the prognosis for those who keep their eyes focused on the God thing and the new thing and don't get... Some, uh, get distracted with the same thing, the selfish thing, the sinful thing, and the sorrowful thing. He has redeemed us. We need, need not fear because we're going to all end up at a place where there's no more sorrow, no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Somebody give somebody a fist bump, say hallelujah. And then if you keep going in Isaiah 53, it's a prophecy about the death the payment and the redemption power of Christ. It says in verse 4, Surely He, speaking of Jesus, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Are you with me? 
You see, you don't carry your sorrow along. He'll pick it. He'll, he'll carry it for you. How many of you know when Jesus starts carrying your stuff, life gets lots better? He borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Listen carefully. All of us have experienced the heartaches of life, the sorrows, the pains. But we've got to give them to Jesus. Say, Lord, you're going to have to carry this. In fact, what did, I, what did the prophet say in Isaiah 42? If you go back to there, uh, it's, it says the new thing's coming. So what do I do? Because the new thing's coming. He's going to tell me all about it. We'll sing a new song to the Lord. Let me just stop and say in the middle of your pain, at some point, I don't deny anyone of pain and sorrow in life. As a pastor, I've seen a lot of it. I've experienced some of it, but I've seen a lot of it. And I tell people who are in the middle of the darkest night, and I've told some of you face to face, I know today's a really bad day. But let me just say to you, if you just keep your eyes upon him, tomorrow will not be as bad as today. And if you'll keep trusting him, calling out to him, and leaning into him in this time of sorrow and loss, you'll look back one day, and the grief and the sorrow has lost its grip on you. And you're moving forward again. I know I'm right about that. I know I'm right about that. So listen, the new thing. It, not, it doesn't mean we deny the pains of our day. Jesus didn't deny them. He didn't look at us and say, hey, forget about it. Get over it. No, he said, I'm going to take care of it for you. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to bear it on the cross for you. And I'm going to lead you to a place where sorrow and mourning flee away. That's how big our God is. But listen carefully. Let me just warn you pastorally. If all you can do is stay focused on the sorrowful thing, you'll miss and not perceive God's thing, His new thing for your life. And finally today, if you don't want to miss the new thing, if you don't want to lose focus, if you, if you don't want to find yourself plowing crooked into your future, you can't focus on the shameful thing. That deals with the mistakes from the past. You know, we've all done things that are shameful. Let me ask you this. I thought about this today, or, or gosh, this week. You ever tell your kids, shame on you? I, I t- I, we, got, we got a new puppy. And she hasn't yet learned not to poo-poo on the floor. It's a little traumatizing. And I said to her the other day, her name's Minnie. If you want a babysitter tonight, that's fine with me. She's a cute, look on Facebook, cutest thing on planet Earth. But I've told her, shame on you. Don't poo-poo on the floor. She can't help it. She doesn't know any better. She was born in sin. But she loves me. We've looked at our kids. Shame. No, 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 not shame on you. He took it for us. 
Some of us look ourselves in the mirror. Come on now, I'm just being honest. You look at your life and you look back and you look at the mistakes you've made and you just, you can't get past it and you shame yourself. Shame on you. No, not shame on you. Shame on Jesus. Not shame. You understand? He took it for us. Isaiah 42, verse 3. I love this. I don't know, you may have read it. What does that mean? It says, verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break. A bruised reed. A reed is something very fragile. Something very weak. That describes all of us. And that describes the children of Israel in Babylonian captivity. They were bruised. They were battered. They were scarred. They had made mistakes. It got them in Babylonian captivity. And God didn't come and say, shame on you. He said, let me tell you what, Jesus, when he shows up, he's not going to break you. A bruised reed he'll not break. What do we do with bruised fruit? Throw it away. Anybody, when you ever got, you, you get, you go to the grocery store and you go, I want all the bruised things. Oh, bruised apples. That's what I want. Bruised avocado. Oh, yeah. No, you pick the good stuff. God, Ooh, I'm got, I didn't even catch this till just now. God, when he comes, Give me all the bruised fruit. Give me all the give me all the battered and scarred and broken thing. And I'll bring it in and heal it up. I'll deal with your shame. I'll make you brand new again. Isaiah forty two seven he says this. He's going to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house. See, a lot of people in their shame, they just sit in darkness. They were shamed. He, Jesus didn't come to them. It was shame on you. No, he, took, he took them, took us, and he carried our shame the cross in fact you know the only people that deserve shame look in Isaiah 42 17 they shall be turned back they shall be greatly ashamed who trust in carved images who say to the molded images you are our gods the only people that should carry shame are those who who, who are distracted by other things rather than the new thing and the thing that God has for them. Those people who keep looking at the molded images and say, that's our God, these are our gods. People who have other gods, those are the only ones that are going to come to a place in their life where they're just going to carry their shame right to their grave, right into hell. I'm just being honest with you. Those are the only people that are going to experience the shame and the pain of shame. But for the believer, for those that are bruised and wounded and broken and they come to Christ he said I'm not going to throw you out I'm not going to condemn you I'm not going to ditch you because you're bruised I'll bring you in he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed come on somebody say amen whoo 
Listen carefully. There's a new thing. Shall you not know it? Shall you not perceive it? You see, what you look at demands your attention. What you focus on gets priority in your life. And as we close, I want you to turn turn in your Bible to Luke 17. I saw this this week, and I was astounded. I read things sometimes, and I've read them a hundred times, and this time it astounded me, especially in the context of our future and destiny. Luke 17, 22, allow me. Uh, verse 22, then he said to his disciples, now this is Jesus, look what he says. He's preparing them for his departure, by the way. The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. Stop, look up at me, don't keep reading. You know what he just said? There's going to come a day when you're going to look at this day and go, man, I wish Jesus was here. Oh, for the good old days when Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread. Oh, for the good old days when he just showed up and healed everybody in town. Oh, for the good old days when me and Jesus walked from town to town and enjoyed our fellowship together. Oh, for the good old days. He said, there's going to come a day, disciples, when you're going to look and you're going to wish for something else than what you have right now. You're going to want to look away. Now, follow with me. He said, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, now catch this, here's the voices in the world around us. They will say to you, look here, look there. Do not go after them or follow them. There's voices out there. They're going to say, focus your attention on the same thing. Focus your attention on this simple, sinful thing, this selfish thing, this sorrowful thing, this shameful thing. They're going to say, look here, look here. Focus on this. What did Jesus say? Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of the part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in His day. But first, He must suffer many things and be rejected by His generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it also will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Follow me now. Don't, don't lose here. I'm going to get to something. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot. Uh-oh, we're getting somewhere. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. On the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will be the day of the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he will come on the housetop and his, ha- and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise the one who is in the field, let him not return back. Verse 32, and I'll stop right there. Remember Lot's wife. What did Lot's wife do in the day of judgment? She looked back. She became a pillar of salt. This astounded me. 
Jesus says there's going to come a day when you're going to just wish for anything other than what's right in front of you. Oh, I wish it was like it was in the past. And voices will say, look here. Look here. Focus on this. Jesus said, don't go after them. Don't follow them. Remember Lot's wife. We have some choices to make in our world around us, in our lives. Choices on things to do or not do, things, places to go or not go, things to do or not do. Jesus came to warn, oh, this Luke 9, if you go back, He who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom. God can't use people who are not focused on the new thing that he has for them. That's pretty stout stuff, isn't it? Kind of got the fear of God in you. And that's why I said this morning, listen carefully, we're going to close. We're going to pray. So I said this morning, I believe this message has the potential to not just adjust our life, but radically transform our futures. If we can focus 2020 vision, we can focus hear and listen and not be distracted by the same thing and the selfish thing and the sinful thing the sorrowful thing or the shameful thing in our life and and not listen to those things say look here look here say I'm plowing it's time to plow because harvest is coming and so today as we close out we can take this message and begin to meditate on it, appropriate and apply it in our life. I believe today is a day of altar in our own hearts where we say, Lord, if it's a sinful thing, if it's the sorrowful thing, whatever it is, selfish, sameness, let's just give it all to God. You want to? Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, as we stand in your presence, we bow in our hearts before And we are your servants, Lord. We yield ourselves to your will, not our will. And Lord, let us focus not on our thing or the wrong thing. Lord, let us listen to the voices that would speak to us and tempt us away from the new thing that you have for us. We pray, Lord God, that our whole eye, that our eyes would be full of light as we press into the new day that you have for us. We thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I close out this service today, if you're here today, and I, 
I don't want to assume anything. I just want to provide an opportunity. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I don't know if I've really ever been born again. I don't know if I've ever accepted the price he paid and become his child. I want to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, Pastor, I just want to know. You can say, I just want to know for sure that I am his and he is mine. That I belong to him and I am redeemed, as the prophet Isaiah said. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me. I just need to know that I've got that all straight. Anyone here? Amen. And finally, with every head bowed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, as I move into the new year, I just believe God wants me and wants us or wants my family, who, however applies to you, to plug into a local church and begin to really get involved and connect. If you're not a, what you might be, what we may call as a member of Church on the Rock North and something on the inside of you says, you know, I want to begin the new year by, by really connecting, uh, not just uh, relationally, but officially as a part of the family of this church church and I believe I'm home you're my pastor this is my church family and I want to I want to uh, make a commitment to connect with the family of faith in membership today with every head bowed every eye closed if that's you wherever you are just lift your hand and say that's me anyone God bless you dear anyone else anyone else amen hallelujah God bless you if you if it before we finish out today just say I believe I'm where God wants me to do it Okay, amen. God bless you today. Let's give the Lord some praise today, amen. Hallelujah.